Welcome to American Patriots Have Responded. I'm Bill Moss. This is the station where we fight for the Constitution above corruption, freedom above fascism, and power above politics. We are for the working man. Speaking of a working man, we got one on with us. Hello, Ed. Ed Turner, our co-host. Uh, as promised tonight, we, we are recording the, the show that has, last Friday, we put a show on about CRT in the schools. If you see this show and you didn't see that one, go back and watch it. You need to understand the seven main parts of critical race theory. Uh, then this show deals with the psychological effects and how it affects the kids. Uh, Ed, I explained in the last show, we got this off of the AMAC magazine. It's a magazine for us retired people. And this magazine, uh, it's took special interest in it because you know what? A lot of retired people have grandkids. And a lot of retired people are raising their grandkids right now. Did you know that? Yep. Uh, I know a guy right now. He's a Vietnam vet. He's in his 70s. Uh, he's raised his grandkids. He raised them. Uh, parents were busy. Parents were sick. Parents were this. Parents were that. So grandma and grandpa raised the kids. Uh, that seems to be the way of life that we have now in our country. Um, it's a sad, but it's a true fact. But what we're finding with the CRT is that our children are under attack by our schools. Uh, it's, it's the teachers unions. Uh, a lot of the teachers are being forced to teach this that I've talked to that don't even buy into it. And uh, this is a scary thing, you know? Their union is strong-arming them to do this. And then you got the ones that enjoy it. You know, the, the radical left-wingers that enjoy this, that are doing it to progress the cause because they believe in this Marxist ideology, this racist ideology that's going on. Uh, so it's a sad time for kids. Uh, I'm glad mine's raised because they wouldn't I'd be homeschooling now. Uh, I did part of my son's, uh, my youngest son, I did part of his, uh, his education homeschooling because I didn't like what was being taught in the school that uh, he went to in Stonington, Maine. Uh, one particular teacher in particular. Some of the teachers were great. Some of them were fine. You know, I was... I was offensive coach for the boys basketball team there that won the state finals. So I can't talk bad about all of them, but that one particular teacher uh, was definitely teaching the wrong things to my child. And we have a responsibility as parents when that happens to either move them to another school if possible, and if not, to pull them out and teach them on their own. Because you don't want your child's head filled with poison because it runs the child. So we're gonna talk about the psychological effects. I'm gonna share the article now. And uh, it says, the psychological damage when K 
can expect from critical race theory. Now, I read these articles on here because we had the radio audience, Ed, right? And uh, they can't look and see this. They can't read it themselves. So we read the article. We comment on the way through. Uh, it might not be as enjoying as when we're showing video clips and stuff, but this is important enough. We need to hang in there and, and, and understand that, hey, we got to watch this for the kids. Uh, critical race theory is a new type of racism being taught in classrooms across the country. Americans opposed to this trend can learn much from the last century's great civil rights struggle to eradicate racism from the classroom. One of the hidden keys to victory may be focusing on the psychological damage these divisive concepts cause to our nation's children. On May 17, 1954, the Supreme Court issued one of the most famous and consequential rulings in the unanimous Brown versus Board of Education decision. You know, uh, that was before I was born, but that was still a big thing, Ed, when I got to school. Separate but equal, the court ruled had no place in education. The case was argued by Thurgood Marshall, the head of the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, and later appointed as Justice of the Supreme Court by Landon Bain Johnson in 1967. Marshall made many constitutional arguments to the court, of course, but he knew he had to do more. The court's infamous Pleasy versus Ferguson decision, approving the state-sanctioned racism in schools had been on the books for nearly 60 years, and the court had considered most of the legal arguments. Now, for the benefit of those who are on the radio, uh, the next page of this article shows a black baby doll in a, in a diaper and a white baby doll in a diaper. Uh, this article explained on this page what this is for. So Marshall made other arguments. One of them was a simple demonstration designed to reveal how dividing children by skin color causes profound psychological damage. The doll test was conducted by a husband and wife team of African-American psychologists, Dr. Kenneth and Mamie Clark in the 1940s. In the words of Dr. Kenneth Clark, it was an attempt on the part of my wife and me to try to understand how, uh, I done lost my place, <laughs> uh, wife and me to try to understand how children, black children saw themselves. Children were shown two dolls, a brown doll and a white doll and asked to attribute a series of traits to one doll or the other. At the time, Children of both races attributed most positive characteristics to the white dolls, and black children would even sometimes say disparaging things about themselves when asked to choose which doll was more like them. The Clarks concluded that the psychological damage segregation did to children's self-esteem and self-worth was extraordinary, and the court apparently agreed as Chief Justice Warren specifically cited the doll test in his decision, which also noted that the sense of inferiority affects the motivation of a child to learn. Now, Ed, what's going on right now in our schools? And we talked about this the other night, 
the black children are being told that you're oppressed, you can't get ahead, uh, the white man's going to hold you down, and so you have no place in society. You can't arrive, you can't achieve at the same level that a white person can. And we talk about this, you know, there's people, you know, like Adam West, uh, people like, uh, uh, I mean, Alan West, there's people like uh, Ben Carson, so many other, you know, black people that have aspired in this country. This is a lie. Uh, all that a black person has to do is look around at the many great black minds uh, in our society today. And the, if they were taught the true history of our nation, they would learn there was a lot of smart black people, would they not? Yeah, of course. You know, uh, you know, we, we've had black people. Uh, look at all the black inventors that invented many of the products, including the traffic light. Right. Uh, we've had great black scientists, great doctors. You know, uh, Carson was one of one of those. You know that he 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 perfected a a, a surgery to separate uh, Siamese twins, right? Yeah. Uh, he he's you know a black brain surgeon. Come on, I mean, how much smarter can you get? And this was a guy that grew up, you know, in the hood, got in trouble when he was a young boy, shot somebody. And I say boy, uh, not related to color. I say it because he was a young child when it happened. Uh, he, he shot somebody, got in trouble. Uh, he had a mother that was a single mother. Okay. He had no dad in the household. Uh, yet she worked many hours to provide their needs. She come home. She made sure they had a clean house. She made sure they'd done their schoolwork. Even when they didn't want to, they had to do their schoolwork. And mama taught them some values. And that is what gets you ahead, is being taught values, ethics, a good household to grow up in. Somebody loves and nurtures you and, and leads you forward. It doesn't take a society to tell you whether you can make it or not. The intestinal fortitude, the effort you put into your life, Edge you put into your education and the ethics you put into your work, that's what makes you successful in this country. That, that, that's the big thing about America, right? Uh, we're, you know, our constitution says we're equal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then you got, you know, you got this, this whole thing, you know, uh, you know, they, they holler about black people being held down from jobs, right? not being given jobs because they're black. But they don't stop to think that we had a, a thing here that was called a hiring quota. You remember that? They still use that out here. Right. And I have been turned down as a better candidate, a more experience, more education, more everything in a field because I was the wrong caller because they needed to fill the quota. That's where the, the slang token came from, if you remember. Well, they got to hire him because they're the token for the government. You know, uh, that, was, that was what, you know, caused a lot of people to get that attitude. A lot of times the government devises things that divide us. And that's what this CRT does. It says the Clarks concluded that the psychological damage segregation did to children's self-esteem 
and South Southworth was extraordinary. And the court apparently agreed as Justice Warren specifically cited the Dahl test in his decision, which also noted that the sense of inferiority affects the motivation of a child to learn. The sense of inferiority, uh, uh, inferiority, once you listen to that again, sense of inferiority affects the motivational child, motivation of a child to learn. Whether or not the Dahl test would be considered persuasive social science today is nonetheless illustrated how we as a country, how we as a country came to a consensus that treating people based on the color of their skin was profoundly wrong for their, for their skin was profoundly wrong. Martin Luther King Jr. would famously express his conviction in his I Have a Dream speech when he proclaimed, that we must judge people on the content of the character, not the color of their skin. CRT, however, is reversing this consensus where most Americans had embraced that character matters more than color. CRT, critical race theory, says the opposite. And like the segregation of the last century, this discrimination is profoundly harmful to both black and white children. CRT teaches white children to have contempt for themselves, their ancestors, and our country. It teaches black children to view themselves as victims in a multi-generational drama, unable to rise above their injustices of the past and to see their identity primarily as a function of their race. This is a direct rejection of Reverend King's dream, which, as he said, is deeply rooted in the American dream. CRT is trying to turn back the clock to a pre-Brown world and dehumanizing an entire generation of American school children in the process. In short, CRT is the new racism. And just like the old racism, it insists that you are your skin color, not just black children, but white children as well. CRT teaches that all whites are inherently racist and oppressors. Well, that's good to know about you, Ed, because I don't know if you heard what I said or not, Ed. Uh, I said, in short, CRT is the new racism. And just like old racism insists that you are your skin color, not just your black, not just black children, but white children as well. CRT teaches that all whites are inherently racist and oppressors. I said, I didn't know that about you, Ed. I never yeah. would have suspected that. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't, your, the screen froze up and it locked. I couldn't do see nothing. Right. I, well, it told me that there was a connection problem. So I just told everybody, I said, well, we're going to wait a second here and try to get Ed back. So, uh, <laughs> We've had this problem ever since we started, you know, on this water thing with Oregon and, and California, and we're going to be doing some updates on that real soon. Uh, and we'll be talking about that. Uh, you guys, I want to stop in the middle of this and say you guys are still out of water. So uh, anybody that wants to go to the bottom of the page when we post, you want to donate, there's links there where you can donate through PayPal. Citizens Against Terrorism is collecting the money. Uh, People's Rights Oregon is helping us to distribute it in Oregon. We'll be distributing it 
directly in California. Uh, but we will be paying for the water to make sure water is bought and distributed. Uh, so uh, we will guarantee that that your donations go to that, you know, to be used to get people water that need water. The truly vile nature of these ideas showed itself in a graphic released by the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture last year. Among other things, the graphic identified several features of whiteness and white culture, rugged individualism, self-reliance, the nuclear family with a father and mother, the scientific method, and an emphasis on objective, rational, linear thinking. Ideas like hard work is key to success and work before play approaches toward the future like delayed gratification and the optimistic outlook that tomorrow will be better. One cannot help but ponder how grossly offended so many heroic African-Americans would be to realize that their virtues they so often lived and extolled themselves were now considered to be mere examples of whiteness. And more importantly, how psychologically abusive such things as such messaging is toward both African-American and white children whom the museum is targeting with its educational efforts. Again, if you stop thinking, who owns the Smithsonian? Government. Government owns it. Who's always putting the money into the Smithsonian? The Democrats. So, I mean, right here, I mean, you know, every time you turn around, if it's an infrastructure bill, we got to build a museum. Uh, you know, as much money as the Smithsonian has, they should be at least 12 times the size they are now. Right. And, uh, you know, every time we, we go to uh, get a health bill, we have to give money to the Smithsonian. Not only that, we have to give money every time we get a bill to PBS, and PBS has been a big propagator of this, along with private companies like Disney and all these others. You need to watch what your kids watching on cartoons right now. Uh, you know, uh, your kids are being taught that you know the same stuff. They're being taught the same stuff. Uh, we've got uh, Democrats supporting these uh, transgender uh, drag queen uh, library visits, you know, where the kids come sit on the drag queen's lap. I don't want my kids sitting on drag queen's lap. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we've got all this going on. Fortunately, we have brave scholars today who are calling out this insanity. Brown University professor Glenn Lowry has chastised the educational establishment both K through 12 and particularly the universities for promulgating CRT and allowing it to undermine the teaching of subjects like the classics, which some are considering to be the trash can because they're supposed whiteness. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to some uh, Shakespearean plays and uh, one of the things I've noticed when I go to Shakespearean plays, they often have black actors in them. So where do we come off with this, this deal here about you know the whiteness and all of this garbage? Uh, Just another way for them to try to 
to to separate us. And because the longer that they know that they keep us down and they keep us fighting, they'll say that the, that we cannot control ourselves, so they create more laws to control us. Right. That's, that's why they sanction racism and stuff like this, because they know this will instill hate. And as long as they keep it going, they can keep themselves in positions of making their money and putting more laws to restrict our way of life based on shit that they produce a propaganda. Well, people need to wake up and realize that the, this is KGB shit. The best way to, to conquer a people is to divide them. If they fight each other, they injure each other, they kill each other. That's that much less they have to fight when they come in to take over forcefully. And this is what's going on in our nation. This is what's going on in our nation. You know, I, I watched footage today, and I'm stopping in the middle of this article again, but I watched footage today. A church was having a prayer meeting outside in, I think it was uh, California. Uh, they were having a prayer meeting. Uh or it might have been it might have been might have been Seattle. Is one of those states out there. Anyway, uh Antifa and BLM shows up. They trash the church sound equipment. You know, they have a right to use a bar to do that just like anybody else does. You know what I'm saying? And uh they come up, they attach that, attack that, they throw flash bombs into the church people. Uh they throw uh flashbangs in with the kids anywhere from four months to 10 years old, you know, terrifying them, throwing smoke bombs, squirting people with mace, uh, attacking them physically, uh, you know, and the Proud Boys showed up and protected these people. So you know what that's going to be painted like? Even though Black Lives and Antifa were the aggressors and Proud Boys were defending them, the Proud Boys will be painted as the villains, right? Yep. Because they're going to be white supremacist racists attacking peaceful protesters who just happened, but not gets mentioned, to be throwing flashbang grenades into you know, crowds with little bitty kids. You know, a flashbang beside a, a four month old baby could deafen it for life. It could deafen a 10, a 10 year old, but it could deafen an adult. Okay. Not counting, you know, uh, anything else that could happen from that. You know, we've seen houses catch on fire from flashbacks. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, but that's okay because they're advancing the agenda of the left. So that's okay. But if somebody stands up and says, hey, you're not going to attack these kids, you're not going to attack these patriots peaceful worshipers that are praying, then they're going to be painted in a different brush because of their skin color. And the bad thing is the Proud Boys are black, brown, white, yellow, and red. I can't speak about the, the blue fugates down here in Kentucky. I don't know if any of them belong or not, but all the other colors are in that group. And they're just standing up for constitutional rights. And yet they've been de declared a hate group. They've been declared all of this. They are nothing like the Black Panthers that tore the hell out of the South 
nothing like the Black Panthers that during Obama's elections that stood outside of the court, uh, outside of the voting uh, polls at some places to scare older white people from coming in and to scare weaker white people from coming in to throw the vote. That is what the Black Panthers did. They rioted, they done everything, just like we've seen BLM do. And if you look at BLM, if you look, look them up, study them, they're gonna say in their own words, on their own pages and in their own videos that they are trained Marxists set on destroying this country. They're going to burn the effort down. Remember? Yep. Remember what Khrushchev said? Yeah. About taking the country over. Go ahead. We will take America without firing a shot. We do not have to invade the U.S. We will destroy you from within. He also said, give us your children for a generation. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Well, they've had them more than a generation. I saw this coming in 1992 when I went to Maine to continue my education at 30 years old. I was not, or 32 years old. I was not a green high school kid straight out of high school. I challenged my professors. I got thrown out of one school because I would not buy into the puke they were teaching. I went to the University of Maine. I went there. I fought teachers. I have one teacher who told me the last day I had dropped, dropped a class because he was intentionally going to fail me no matter how well I did. And I told him, I said, well, if your teaching's a lie, I'm going to stay here. My my uh, 369 grade average will, will uh, you know, more than enough carry me. Uh, if you give me an F, I won't lose nothing. And even if I did, I would stay because what you're teaching is a lie. I'm going to stay here and fight you in class. And I did. And I turned the whole class on him. He failed the whole class. He ended up losing his job, even though he had tenure. Huh. So, uh, you know, you can't fail everybody in the class. Because if you fail the whole class, that tells the university you're not doing your job. but he lied on his syllabus about what the class was about. And when I got in there, it was attacking our society and our values and our faith. And I said, I can't stand this. I can't sit by and let this go. So I stood up and I fought. I took the F, uh, didn't hurt me. And like I say, you know, my, my, my scholarships and everything stayed up. I didn't have to worry about it. Can you imagine going to school at 32 years old and having scholarships? I mean, and the bad part was, we'll get into this later. I wasn't a great student in high school, okay? Uh, but let's go on with the article. Likewise, Columbia uh, University professor, I don't know if I read this, so I'll read it again. John McWhorter describes the damage being done by CRT to overall African, to young African-Americans. Overall, this new version of civil rights is almost pitted pitlessly unconcerned with them, blithely allowing outright harm to black people in the name of anti-racist kabuki gestures. Professor McWhorter continues the savage irony of this new strain of anti-racism is that people's commitment to not being racist is strong enough 
to force them to embrace a new kind of racism so long as no one calls it what it is. Brown versus Board of Education may have abolished physical segregation in schools, but CRT is attempting to bring it back, not physically, at least not yet, but intellectually, emotionally, and psychologically. Like the races of old, they want to teach children that their fundamental identity and value begins with the color of their skin. It is entirely plausible that new doll tests conducted on children thoroughly indoctrinated by this state-sanctioned racism for several years would result in white children identifying white dolls as oppressors, fragile and rational, and who put work before play. After all, these traits are part and parcel of what whiteness, according to CRPRTC, uh, CRT. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. famously convincingly stated, again, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of the character. The dream was meant to ennoble our nation, to call it to its highest ideals. A theory that rejects Reverend King's vision will destroy our society and the minds of our young people. Now, I spoke... Uh, I think I told you I'd spoke to a, an attorney uh, while I was uh, down in Jackson, Tennessee uh, one night. We sat out by the fire at a, at a, at a hotel we were staying at. We were supposed to stay at it. And uh, I spoke to him. And, uh, you know, he says, all the white people always go back to Martin Luther King. Can you imagine that? The white people always go back to Martin Luther King because the white people embrace King's message more than these people do. The white people embrace King's message of living together, working together, and seeing each other as equals than these critical race thinkers do. Ain't that amazing? Yeah. You know, I never knew what Martin Luther King was so white. Uh, we had black and white TV and mine must have been screwed up. I mean, we had to slap it to get that horizontal line going, you know. But we never had that kind of trouble with color. Uh, it might You might have a little green tint or something, but I mean, it never changed nobody from white to black and left the rest of the people the same. Uh, but evidently, in today's new way of thinking, that's the way it goes. Now, Ed, I, I want to talk from personal experience here. You teach these kids that uh, they can't get ahead. You teach them they're oppressed. You teach them that somebody's going to hold you down. You break their will to achieve, to survive, to move forward, to dream, to build goals, and to go ahead. And you know how I know that? And I'm just going to tell a little bit about my personal history tonight. I've mentioned before I was dyslexic. There were two siblings in my house. One was very good in school. That was my sister. I had a problem. I could read something, the lines jumped around. 
I could try to understand it. I couldn't comprehend it. So the other one became the dumb child. When I'd ask for help with homework, my parents would become frustrated and start out, have your sister help you with it. So she did for a while, but I still had trouble. I was the dumb kid. I was totally all the time. Told, I was the dumb kid. Okay. And then it got to the point. I'll just have your sister do your homework for you. You'll never understand it. Can you imagine being that dumb kid, Ed? Yeah, but in them shoes. Huh? <clears throat> I've been in those shoes. Okay. So you've been there too. Yep. Well, when my niece come along, she also too had dyslexia. But by then they had figured out what it was. Okay. So I went through part of junior high and all of high school, my sister doing my homework, writing my book reports, because I was too dumb to do it. I would read the stuff. I just couldn't understand it. See what I'm saying? And so when my niece come along, my sister was bound to determine since they knew what dyslexia was. She took her over to DePaul school and in, in, uh, in Louisville. And they tested her and found out she was dyslexic. And they took her to the top doctor for that in the United States. They took her all the way to New York City. Okay. And this doctor's smart. He taught her different ways to associate her study with maybe eating a snack while she studied and eating that same snack when she tested. Or maybe, you know, having different swaths of cloths, have one for reading, one for writing, one for arithmetic, one for science. So she could study the different subjects while rubbing that different texture. You see what I'm saying? And it gave her a mind-body association that tied it all together that allowed her to learn. So at 30, I broke my back. At 32, I went back to school. I got a, an award. Uh, at the time, it was the biggest award ever awarded for re-education on a work comp case uh, in the state of Kentucky. I got $10,000 for continuing it. So I took that $10,000 and I went back to school. I was told you need to stay here and study in Louisville because your sister will have to do your homework. You'll never make it. You're not smart enough to go to college. But I had been imploring for over 10 years the same things my niece was doing. And I was getting smarter. I was learning things about the world around me. I was learning things about science. I was learning things about history. You know, I was learning things about math. Uh, I would go check out math books and I would set more problems, okay? Uh, this is a guy, you know, in his twenties and thirties, you know, 
you know, mid twenties to thirties, I was doing this stuff. I was putting myself back through high school. See what I'm saying? So when I got to college and I got up there, believe it or not, my first year, I carried a 369 average. I carried it every year I was in college. Uh, every year I was at the grad school, I carried that 369 average. And I'm not saying this to brag, but I am proud of that because I earned it. And I really earned it the hard way because nobody was there to figure out what was wrong with me to help me learn. But by watching what went on with my niece, I realized what was going on with me. And I used what they told her to do. And I educated myself those four years of high school that I was really missing. You see what I'm saying? And then when I get up there, I've got to get accepted. And they look at my high school grades and says, ooh, season days, you've been out of school for 10 years and you, you're going to come, you know, over 10 years and you're going, you know, 14 years and you're going to come back now? I'm like, yeah, I'm a lot smarter than I was. Well, how do you mean? And I said, well, if you don't try me, ask me some questions, I'll answer them. And they just shook their heads. We wouldn't know what questions to answer you. I said, well, let me tell you this. I said, since I left high school, I said, I've run my own company. I've employed people, a lot of people. I've fed many families with the business I run. And I said, didn't do too shabby myself. I said, my job in, included being able to speak with people, being able to present my ideas. It included drafting, which I could do on the spot without a drafting table. I could rough draw things out. I could, I could draw a house on a piece of paper and I could build that house freehand. I said, and I could tell you right down to the penny what it would cost me to build that house. And the reason I got the business was I didn't round everything up. So that cut not only the supply level down, it also cut the labor down because you double the materials for the labor. I said, then I decided, hey, why pay people by the R that are gonna like you around when I can put them on footage a decent rate and instead of making $15 an hour, if they work hard, they can make 30, 45 or $60 an hour. And I will still make the same money off of them. So I did that and it worked. I said, so if you still think I'm that dumb kid from high school, I said, maybe I shouldn't be in your school because you're lacking understanding. I got accepted. I go in, I carry that 369 average. Now, the worst part of this, the, the amazing part of this is I failed Spanish in high school, okay? My, I took it one year. I failed it both semesters. I walked into a class that taught Koine Biblical 
Greek, a language that is no longer spoken verbally, that is only in print. And when I left there, I not only knew how to pronounce the words correctly, I knew how to write the words, to read the words and comprehend the words. And I got straight A's, both semesters, 100s on all my exams. This is what happens when you break that chain of telling you that you're oppressed, you're stupid, you're, you're lower than another class of people. And that's what CRT is doing. Well, it's not just doing it on dumb kids. It's doing it on brilliant kids. It's doing it on kids that mediocre learners. You know what I'm saying? You're C and D people. It's doing it on your F people. And it's doing it on your A plus people. They're all being told there's something inherently wrong with you because of the color of your skin. You're either being held down because you have brown skin or darker colored pigment in your skin of some sort, or you are an oppressor and you need to grovel and feel guilty for what you have done and shame you into submission, shame you into thinking that you're a piece of crap so that you will not learn. Because the best way to destroy a nation is to destroy the minds of the young people, Ed. What do you think about that? I think you're right. I mean, it's, they want to, it's the dumbing down of America. Right. You know, this all started, and I've seen it coming. Uh, the first leg of it started when my son, who is, uh, what's his, He'll be 36 this year. He'll be 36 in November. Our youngest boy. When he started grade, uh, not grade school, when he started T-ball 31 years ago, I said, we got a problem in this nation. And you know what it was? Think, think about youth sports for a minute. Uh-huh. When I grew up, possibly when you grew up, it might have been going on while you was growing up. I don't know because I'm not much older than you. You know, I got what 16 years on 17, 18 years on. Yeah. Uh when I grew up, if you played sports, if you won, come in second or third, you got a trophy. Remember? Yeah. Your team got a trophy. And if you was an outstanding first baseman, you got a trophy. If you was an outstanding outfielder, you outstanding second baseman, if you was an outstanding ball player of any sort of ball, then you got a trophy. When my son started, first year I coached. Every year my son was in ball except one year. And that year was the year I broke my back and I managed to get into the scorer stand and keep the scores that year. I I went through sports with my son all the way through, okay? It's good for kids. It teaches them morals. It teaches them ethics. Until you start giving them participation trophies, Ed. Yeah, I, I coached my uh, – I was athletic director for my son's football team. 
and I seen the quality of ball players in little league and and in youth leagues and even in adult leagues and communities diminish greatly. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, uh, you know, I was always a great hitter because when I started out, man, I couldn't hit a fly on my shoulder with my glove, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I, over the period of time people worked with me, I learned to place hit. I could pick a spot on the field, I could put a ball there, okay? And I could send some out now and then. Uh, I played with guys that every time I got a bat, man, the ball was over the fence and we had a run. You know what I'm saying? But not everybody's like that. I was an exceptional first baseman. I wasn't an exceptional outfielder. I never pitched. Uh, but my spot was third base. And what made me good there was I had a good glove. Uh, I could cover a bag good. And I could throw one of the hardest balls you ever seen coming from third to first for cutoffs. And uh, I actually had a softball clocked at 100 miles an hour by a police officer one night that I threw during the game. So if you can imagine, you know, I have my spot. Everybody has their spot. And if you find your spot, then you, then you do good. Okay. But what, what this does is just like when we were growing up, you know, I, I don't know if you want to share your story like I did, but when we was growing up, you know, I was told that, you know, I was dumb, you know, I couldn't learn. Why try? You give a kid a participation trophy and all they've done is went out there and played in the dirt and kicked the dirt and let the balls go by. You're telling them there's nothing, no, there's no value in trying. You see what I'm saying? So this is what this is telling these kids. You're not worth trying because you're always going to be held down by white people. And then you go over each other, white people, you're no good. You're oppressors. You're racist. And there's nothing you can do to change it. So you might as well not try. That is what critical race theory is about. And it will not everybody it will climb out. I mean, you've got a business, I've got business. We both, you know, work very hard at what we do. And what we do, we're good at. Okay. So not everybody has that drive though. 99% of the people, it takes somebody extraordinary to, to look the world in the eye and say, I'm tired of this and I'm going to prove the world wrong. You see what I'm saying? 99% uh, of the people don't have that, Ed. 99% of the people don't have it. You know, I talked to a guy one day and uh, he was he was hollering about Trump and he was hollering you know, how, how terrible Trump was and everything. And he says, we can't, he's, nobody can get a job. This was like three years into Trump's presidency before COVID, okay? There was, what, one and a half million jobs they couldn't fill because they didn't have nobody to work them? Huh. I looked at him, I said, what do you mean nobody can get a job? 
I said, you go over here, there's a $15 an hour job. This area, $15 an hour is good. Cost of living's a lot cheaper. See what I'm saying? You go over here and get a $20 an hour job, or you can go to Richmond, you can get a $30 an hour job. Or if you want to flip hamburgers, you don't have any education, you can go over here, you know, at any of the restaurants and get 10. Or if you don't have an education, there's a plant that's set up expressly are hiring people that don't even have a GED, they'll hire you at $15 an hour. All it requires is hard work and simple work, hard, simple work, okay? Yeah, but they won't harden out of us. Well, why not? Well, they're prejudiced. I said, why are they prejudiced? This is a white guy, you know, that's why they're prejudiced. They won't hire anybody that uses drugs. <laughs> did you ever think about getting off the drugs getting clean and getting a job i said you deserve to start you know what i'm saying i mean if everybody wonders why i look up i've got a bigger monitor i can see up there that's why i look up that's why i read when i'm looking up uh i have two monitors i have a small one i try to look at it as much as i can so i'm looking your head on but uh, I like looking people in the eyes, so don't take it the wrong way if I'm looking away or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, there's always that person that's going to find an excuse not to excel. And if it has to be, well, I use drugs and I can't get a job because nobody will hire us because they're precious, they're going to try to use that excuse. And then you got the guy that's got the mother with four legs. I don't know if I've ever told that story on the show. I don't think so. There was a guy, guys, I'm going to tell y'all this little story. There's a guy in London, Kentucky. You know, I'm going to meet him if you come to London. Uh, I ain't kidding you. I, I'm at the cell bar where they sell livestock, and this guy jumps in my truck and, like he knows me, and I'm pulling off. Well, if you know me, the first thing I do is I pull that big old 45 out and I stick it over to his forehead. And I said, what the hell are you doing in my truck? You know, oh, mister, mister. He said, it's awful. He said, I need help. I said, what do you need help for? The whole time I've got that 45 sticking across at him. He said, my mama, she'd been in a horrible wreck. And I could tell the way he was going on, it was BS. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not a tear in his eye, you know, you tell it was rehearsed. She's been in a horrible wreck. Said they, it cut her leg off, mister. And says, I got to go to Manchester, which is about 25 minutes away, okay? I need $20 to get there. Well, if you know anything about London, it's bad about panhandlers. They got an ordinance against it, but they don't enforce it, okay? Uh, I'd say it's probably because somebody's getting kicked back. So anyway, because we have groups of panhandlers that come up in limousines and they drop them off at highway exits, Walmarts, and different places to collect for the day. And I actually had one try to panhandle me inside the London Walmart one day, an older woman dressed to the nines, riding around in a buggy, giving me a hard luck story. And I said, lady, I just got enough to get out of my checkout lane with what I got. Phone rings as I'm walking off. I hear her answer it. She says, not now, I can't talk to you. I'm working Walmart, okay? So anyway, this guy's telling me about this horrible story. His mother got her leg cut off. 
He's got to get to Manchester. And I said, I can't hit him. So he leaves. Well, then I'm at the gas pumps. A couple of weeks later, this guy goes, oh, mister, I need your help. He's my mother's Manchester, my mother's down at Manchester Hospital. She's been in this horrible wreck. He's using the same, you know, emotions, same everything. He's rehearsed this so long, he knows. He says, she's had her leg cut off. He says, I got to get down there. I need $20. Thought myself, now if this is true, that's most unluckiest mother I ever know. Ain't been two weeks ago, she done had her other leg cut off. What was she doing going back? Now she wouldn't even be out of the hospital yet, probably. So she couldn't be going back, you know, to get, I asked, buddy, I can't help you. Gone. Well, then he comes up to me at Kroger's. Same story. One night, me and a young lady sitting there eating supper at the, the uh, Burger King. Enjoying ourselves, just, you know, have a nice talk. He comes in and plops down beside her. Oh, mister, I need your help. This is the most horrible thing. My mother's been in a car wreck. She's had her leg cut off. I looked at him. I said, buddy, what kind of damn animal is your mother? Well, what do you mean? I said, what kind of animal is your mother? I don't understand where you're coming from. I said, I'll tell you where I'm coming from. I said, this is the fourth leg she's had cut off of her. I said, in just a very short amount of time. And I said, I just want to know if she's bovine. I said, I want to know if she's swine. I want to know if she's deer, elk. What the hell she is, because she sure as hell ain't human. I jumped up, grabbed him by his shirt collar, grabbed him by his belt. I frog marched him across the Burger King. I kicked the door open in front of me. I throwed him out in the parking lot. I said, get out of here and don't you ever come back. I said, don't you ever approach me again. Well, I've not seen that guy since then. I think he recognizes me now. Uh, sometimes you got to make a lasting impression, but you get people, and by the way, Burger King thanked me for that. They said that the corporation won't let them throw people out, but if their employees, if, they're, if their customers want to, they won't stop them. So if you're being panel handled at a Burger King, at least in Kentucky, you got to go ahead and pitch them out because that's the only way you're going to get any peace. But anyway, you get people like that. They have no intention of working. They have no intention of working. I'll tell you why they, I say that, because there was another panhandler that stood for over a year outside of Taco Tico, I mean, Taco Bell right here, you know, at the Walmart, at the, you know, same parking lot. And the people would come up and drop money in his bucket, drop money in his bucket. This went on for a year and a half. Finally, it's a cold day. And the manager of the Taco Bell went out there and said, buddy, this, this has been a few years back. He said, if you come in and fill out an application, he said, I'll get you a hotel room. I'll buy you some clothes. I'll feed you twice a day here, not once, twice a day here. And I'll pay your hotel room until you get your first paycheck. He said, on top of that, I'll give you 10 insurance, insurance, guarantee you 40 hours a week, and you'll be making a retirement. You know what God told him? 
He said, you think I'm a damn fool? I stand out here in front of your place four hours a day. I make $170 a day average. Is I don't want your job, don't need it. So you got people that want to work, people that don't want to work, and you got people that's just looking for an excuse to have a reason to be on social welfare. But we're not talking about these people right now. We're talking about our kids. And we're talking about what our kids are going to grow into. But if you convince your kids, if they convince your kids that your kids are either one oppressed or two oppressors, and that the oppressed needs to rise above the oppressors and that the oppressors need to spend the rest of their life apologizing to them because the oppressors grand, great, great, great grandparents might have owned a slave. And if they didn't, at least people their collar did. And that they got to grovel to the feet of the ones who are being told they're oppressed, who are going to try to rise up and take over power over them, then you're going to have a problem in this world. And it's, it, this is not only what's going on here. I guarantee you with everything else that's going on, it's like a mirror image, Ed. You know yourself across the world right now. Everything that we've been seeing in the United States is happening in France, Europe, UK, all over the world, is it not? Yep. So I can guarantee you this is going to be done. This is going to be done all around the world. People everywhere but America are standing up ferociously in the streets. They're no longer just going to the school board meetings. We're trying to get people started at school board meeting levels right now. They're not going to the school board meetings. They're out in the street, 150, 160,000 of them at a time, marching in the streets to stop this. And we might get a school board meeting with 50 parents that's mad, or 100 parents is mad, or maybe 300. There's a big problem. And what I'm finding out is people have got so mad at the media, they've turned off the TV sets down here. And the only ones that's watching TVs is the other side and they're being fueled by the propaganda media on that side. So I've been telling people, Hey, don't listen to that crowd. Get on your television, look up Newsmax, look up, you know, owned if you've got it on your TV, if you don't be telling your provider, I want this station. If not, get a fire stick, go down here to the one-stop phone center and get their TV. It's IPTV. And where I'm at, it only costs $20 a month for over 7,000 stations. And it's as good as any cable I've ever had. So, and you get both OWN and Newsmax. Uh, my, I prefer OWN. Newsmax is, is the stronger station too, though. Uh, but you, you need to know what's going on in this world. And you can't trust ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox. You can't trust them. Uh, you can't trust uh, what's uh, the MSN on the computer. That is nothing but garbage. Yahoo is nothing but garbage. Uh, 
Anything Google puts out is nothing but garbage. So you better find somewhere it's telling you the truth. And right now, the only two platforms we can find is own and uh, Newsmax. And the nice thing is you, you might have to pay for own if you get it on the computer. It's like $2.99 a month. But you can get Newsmax for free on the computer. Uh, and it's got a lot of good news. It's got a lot of talk shows. You know, it's got history at night. You can watch. It's got a lot of things on there. And uh, you might want to start because our history is being rewritten so badly. Uh, you might want to start uh, uh, recording. If you've got a video recorder or some sort, recording the history at night because you need to be teaching your kids the right history for this country. And uh, they deal with wars, they deal with everything on there. So it, it's a good thing to do. Uh, it, I, I, I don't know what else to do. I mean, we can't, we can't allow our kids just keep getting told, you know, that they're dysfunctional. There's something wrong with them, can't we? No. You know, in 92, some of the classes I took were for teaching. <laughs> they were to, you know, to be able to be a guidance counselor. They was to be able to uh, counsel people, to counsel kids, uh, child and uh, family development was, you know, was what I was taking. And uh, you learn to counsel families, you learn to counsel children, you learn to counsel, you know, all kinds of people, gay, straight, you know, whatever, black, white, brown, yellow, red, uh, it didn't matter. But the one, the one significant thing I learned out of counseling was not so much about figuring out what was wrong with the person. Okay. It was building self-esteem, building self-reliance and building strength of character within that person. Does that make sense? You've got to have self-esteem. You've got to be able to depend on yourself. And you've got to be of good character or you can't make it in this world. And if you have those three things, then you've got something to build over your obstacles. Now, where I found my self-esteem, I don't know. And like I said, there's only maybe 1% of us like me and you that can pull through that, find that self-esteem and rise above it. We both know somebody who was affiliated with somebody we, with a group we work with uh, just recently that came from a very bad background. And he totally self-disintegrated. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. So, uh, very intelligent guy. Very intelligent guy. Uh, but he got into the hands of people like these. He got into the hands of Luciferians. And they used him. They abused his trust and his will. Uh, they convinced him that he was nothing without them. And uh, when pressures of life got too extreme, 
he had problems. And uh, it's a sad thing. Uh, but we've got to protect our kids, bottom line. So parents, if you're out there, if you're listening, read that article for yourself. You've got it here on the computer. You can scroll through it. You can read it. And uh, you can stop it. Stop it as I'm scrolling through it to read it. And you can learn from this. Or you can go to amac.us, I think it is, and you can probably bring out an article up right there in the magazine. Uh, this is the second of the series that we're doing on this. Tomorrow night show, God willing, we're able to get it on tomorrow night, will be the useful idiot. This is another part of critical race theory. You have got to hear. So until then, may God bless you. May God bless your home. Especially may God bless your children and the rest of your family. And most of all, may God bless the USA. Good night, Ed. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. God bless.